We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. 7 o'clock hour on Sports Open Line. A little more blues hockey for you here. Bottom of the hour, we'll turn back to some baseball. Uh, I want you to hear a little bit of what John Mozeliak had to say with Tom Ackerman yesterday on sports on a Sunday morning because there's a few interesting things. Update on Jack Flaherty, um, who threw a bullpen session over the weekend. Um, Some thoughts on the Cardinals' top prospects that have taken big steps. And, guys, you might have a shortstop of the future. We weren't so sure about it. You know, in the past, um, it's a hard position to fill. You know, when when they took Delvin Perez in the first round a bunch of years ago, it was like, maybe that's the guy, but he hasn't really hit. Um, still a good defensive shortstop, but really hasn't hit. And uh, I don't think that's changed so far this year. No, I mean, he's hitting 205 at Springfield. You know, it's maybe looking more like a, you know, like a, a bench roll type guy for him. But Mason Wynn has exploded this year as a very young player at high A and maybe in double A here in the not-too-distant future. We'll tell you more about him after John Mosellock tells you about what they like about him and what they've seen. So that'll be coming up later on. Going to hear from Craig Bruby in a few minutes as well. I wanted to follow up on the conversation about Blues goaltending You know, with the move to Jordan Bennington, but you know, I don't think it's been made official. In fact, I'm, I haven't heard today that it's made official, but I would assume that Bennington's going to start tomorrow. But if if he gets the win tomorrow, I did not know this stat until I read my buddy Jeremy Rutherford's piece in The Athletic today. That if Jordan Bennington gets the win tomorrow night, he will have the most wins in Blues playoff history in the postseason. The most wins of any goalie. So he's tied with Mike Liute and Greg Millen right now with 17 playoff wins. He's ahead of Curtis, Curtis Joseph, ahead of Grant Fuhr. And that's really hard to believe. <laughs> and, and you know what? Maybe it shouldn't be because we know the history has been playoff disappointment, right? Well, Bennington was the guy that helped end the curse. He played, you know, the full four rounds, won the Stanley Cup. But doesn't that kind of drive home the point of just how insane the playoff curse was for the Blues? Like, here's a guy in Bennington that hasn't been in the NHL all that long. I mean, 
I'll I'll still never get over the the unlikely nature of of that twenty nine that's that you know twenty nineteen season. Well, I keep saying twenty nineteen the twenty eighteen twenty nineteen season the Stanley Cup season the unlikely nature of that where the beginning of the year Bennington's not even in the conversation he's like fourth on the goalie depth chart in the organization and he winds up leading you to your first ever Stanley Cup victory but the fact that you know here's a guy that has only been in the league four years. And he's your, he is tied now with the most wins in franchise history amongst goaltenders. Tells you about just how frustrating that whole time had to have been. Like, I know it's about perspective, and I'm Blues fans are either punching their dashboard because they remember all the frustration or they're nodding along going, yeah, that sucked. But that's, doesn't that show you perfectly just how ridiculously frustrating that was for all those years to have all those good teams to have all those names I mean Michael Hute was a fantastic goalie Cujo was awesome I mean look at some of the regular season numbers that Roman Turek put up he's not even on that list for the postseason not on the list of the guys in the top five and the <laughs> the the crazy thing is Jordan Bennington got 16 of those in that one playoff run, which of course you did, right? I mean, you need to win 16 games to win the Stanley cup, but that's the crazy part is it's just one year that makes up all of that, which shows you how many times under those other guys, you went out super early and how crazy that is because those teams were so good in a lot of those years. I mean, Bennington, the win last night was his first playoff win since the game, since the, since the game, the night they won the Stanley Cup. 0 5 in the, in the, uh, COVID year. And that obviously swept out last year, 0 4. And I, it, it, it just, when I, when I saw that this morning in JR's piece, that was the first thing that thought that popped to my mind is like, how insane is that? But here's a guy that's only been in the league four years. And again, he's got 16 playoff wins in his first year as a goalie, his rookie year, in leading the team to the cup. And now that he's gotten number 17, he's tied for the franchise lead in playoff wins for a goalie. And again, that's a good list of players. We're not talking about a franchise that's just had garbage goalies for most of the time. Now, in fairness, they've changed them a fair bit. And you know these. You know when you're when you're looking at just the nature of that stat, though. I mean, come on. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully Bennington can get on the hot streak again. Uh, we know what he's capable of when he's playing at his peak. He looked really great last night, and they're going to need it, man. I mean, you know when you're when you're missing that many guys uh, on the blue line, like we talked about last hour, it's just not easy to maintain consistency. I mean. You've got guys you know, you're from every, I mean, think about it. It's, it's everything. It's, it's picking up coverages in the defensive zone. It's, it's the timing on moving the puck out of the zone and who's going to be where and when they need to be there. So much of what teams do in a sport like hockey is timing based. 
Are you going to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there? What can I expect from my teammate? You know, what What do I know about my teammate without even having to think about it? Because we've done this a million times in practice and in games. And that's something that you don't really have right now, except for, well, I mean, I was going to say except for Krug and Paul, but you don't even, you didn't even have that the other day. So I think that this game four win for the Blues was not only a big deal, obviously, for this series, but I, I, it was more impressive than it actually looks. Like, it, it was a good performance, a 5-2 win, all that, but I think it was even even more impressive a performance than you would just think off the top of your head. With the guys that were not in there, with with what had to happen to, to compensate for that, and the game that Bennington played on top of getting just another good game from so many of your forwards, and, you know, they, they used a lot of those guys out there, obviously, spread the minutes around. You know, it's funny. I, I was talking about this during the break. Uh, I got Dane in studio training to be on the board and we were big blues fan. We were talking about this. I get, you know, it's stark to look at the numbers and you see 30 minutes from your top guys. And then the next most minutes is 19. And that's Callie Rosen who would not be on the ice if you didn't have all of these things. And then it was 16 minutes. And then you're like down to 12. Like it's, it's stark how much of a difference there is between your top guys in terms of minutes and then the next two, because normally it's not that big a difference. Although that gap is more there in the postseason. Teams will rely on their big guys a little bit more in the postseason. But then you look at the forwards, and you had a couple of guys, Torpchenko and, and Bozak, that didn't play very much. Everybody else was between 15 and 19 minutes. And it was all spread out pretty equally. 18 for Butchnevich, 17.42 for Cairo. 1923 for O'Reilly, 1914 for Perron, 1742 for Saad. And you can, I mean, you know, everybody's the same. Shen, 1705, Tarasenko, 1814, Thomas, 1921. Like the forward minutes are spread out pretty evenly. And we know that the strength of the team is that forward group. And they, they showed it in game four. They needed even more in game five and six. And they're going to need it even more in the next series too. If they advance, which I still think they will, but if they advance, Colorado is no joke. <laughs> they, they might win their series tonight. I mean, they're up three to nothing on, on Nashville. Now, I'll be honest. I don't think Nashville's very good. Um, and they're certainly not very good in their current state. Um, you know, they're, they're getting blown out. I mean, it's for, for obvious reasons. But they've also not had their starting goaltender out there. They've not had... Um, 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 uh, UC Saros, who's, who was hurt near the end of the regular season. I know they, they like Connor Ingram. And actually, you know, his numbers aren't that bad. 919 save percentage is not that bad. But, I mean, the team is just getting worked. Game two was close, but game one, game three, both just avalanche blowouts. I want to see the Blues in the next round. They need to be in the next round. They should be in the next round. But, God, I hope they can get some of their defensemen back before Colorado. That's a frightening prospect when you're looking at that offense going up against a team that's shorthanded. Hopefully it won't be that way too much longer. All right, when we come back, we'll hear a little bit from the head coach, Craig Bruby, wrap up our Blues thoughts and move on to baseball after the bottom of the hour here on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, a little more on the hockey side. Haven't heard yet from Craig Berube. Let's hear a little bit of what he had to say earlier today and get ready for tomorrow's game. Uh, a little bit later on, more baseball. I might have to get to this Chris Paul thing at some point. I don't know if you guys have seen this. But Suns and Mavs in the playoffs last night, and you know, Chris Paul's trying to get in the stands after the, like this teenage kid who allegedly shoved his wife and quote-unquote put hands on uh, Chris Paul's mom. And it's just an odd circumstance because we're, it's a, it's an NBA stadium. There's over 20,000 people there, and I still haven't seen video of anything happening. And I'm not saying that nothing happened. I don't know what happened. But, you know, all day long, the news outlets are reporting what Chris Paul said as if it was the news. Like, fan puts hands on his mom. All right, let, let's see the video. Let's hear from the people that were sitting right next to all of them. Because the Mavericks just did their thing, and... You know, they said, hey, they, they said it was a, a an unwanted. They were trying to give an unwanted hug to Chris Paul's mom, which, by the way, is also a jerky move. If you're trying to do that, you probably should get smacked. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, I to me, it was the story is not so much about what happened there is how fast Twitter was like, find this kid I'm like find the kid. Can we at least find the video first of him doing what he supposedly did? It's different than when you have like a Karen video and Karen is the star of the video being a total Karen at the fast food restaurant or at the grocery store or wherever. We're like, okay, you can see the person doing the thing that they're getting punked for on Twitter. All we saw here was this kid and some lady being ejected from the game. We don't see anything happen. And we see Chris Paul saying, I'll see you later to the kid. Like, all right, first of all, I'm not going to lie, man. Sometimes teenagers need to be told that. I mean, <laughs> the kid's very possible. This kid was a little jerk. I mean, who knows what happened? But that's kind of my point. But it was amazing how immediately it was like Twitter's all over it. Like, find out who this kid is. Like, really? Can we at least see the video first? I still haven't seen video of it. I've been looking for it all day. But I do know the Mavericks have said the people, the fans involved, are not allowed back in the building until 2023. So basically the rest of the playoffs in the beginning of next year. <laughs> Midway point of next year, they're welcome back. 
But also, like they did, they called it unwanted hugs. Like they were attempting to give unwanted hugs, which is a totally different thing than shoving somebody. Anyway, I might come back to that later. I might not. I don't know. Maybe I just kind of covered it anyway. Let's hear from Craig Berube. Get a little bit more prep for tomorrow night's game five, uh, and then we'll move on. Well, Craig, what's your what's your biggest takeaways after that game? Um, I liked our start to the game. I thought we had a real good first period. Like you know, we only got the one goal, but. Just the the mindset. I think that uh, you know we're we're doing a good job of um, on our forecheck and getting shots to the net and getting to the net and then uh, power play. Like I said, it didn't capitalize, but it really created a lot of momentum for us. Can you give a little insight to the strategy you and Van Ryan have on the bench when you're doing all those defensive pairings yesterday with guys injured and guys maybe don't want to play as much as others and all? How does that just describe that path? Well, Rhino runs it. You know, you know, we talk or he'll say something to me about a guy. Should we put him in this situation and that situation? And but he normally just handles it, does a good job. It's you know not an easy situation, 7D, to get everybody the ice time that's needed. And um, you know, you maybe overplay some guys at times, but it's playoff time, so it is what it is. I think you know with Prunovic. You try to get him in as many offensive situations as you can because that's where his, his strengths are, right? So uh, we look, you know, I think you just look at it that way. And penalty kill wise, a little more difficult with Scandy going down early. He's a good penalty killer for us. So there was times, you know, you had to mix and match with, you know, their D pairs on penalty kill. Sometimes you got two righties out there with Pranko and Falk together, or just Nikola, obviously. But uh, yeah, you just got to kind of. Every game's different, I think, and every game's gonna, you know, come. It's gonna, you know, show you a different situation, and it's also who's going and who's not going. You know, I thought Rosen did a heck of a job for us last night in the game, um, using his feet and moving the puck, and you know, he's competing hard in the battles. We asked you about Bennington a month ago when you're struggling. Uh, you said confidence is a big thing. Yesterday, all the cheers he got, staying yeah. low, stuff like that. How much do you think that confidence will help? Well, it definitely, yeah, no, it helps for sure. And, um, you know, the crowd loves him. I mean, we all know that. Uh, he's, he's a special player that uh, helped us win here. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I think down the stretch, him playing well and winning games, that creates confidence. You guys quieted that Erickson neck line yesterday. Just uh, your thoughts on what maybe what were the keys to that? Well, I said that line did a great job against those guys. It's a battle. You got to just battle, and you got you're not going to get a lot of looks offensively. You just got to stay with it, and it's important not to, um, you know, get frustrated by it or, you know, try to make something that's not there at the time because then you, then you make mistakes, and you just got to battle through it, and you got to. It's just it's kind of like even hockey out there, you know. And then you wait for an opportunity, like in you know the Prawns goal in the second period. But you got to stay patient, but you got to battle because it's a heavy line. They're going to compete hard. And uh, I thought that line did a good job. You get a better sense today of whether you can have some re- reinforcements back or yeah, you need let, to get through. I want to wait till after skate and then uh, see how they come through. Scandella, VV Alpha. Yeah, he's out. Well, that seems pretty de- <laughs> pretty definitive. Uh, but, yeah, overall, though, like if you get any reinforcement at all, and first of all, uh, you're going to need it in, in the next round. I mean, that's pretty clear. Um, you know, this is a team that is, to me, still good enough 
to beat Colorado if you can be 100% or close, not even 100%, just close enough to it where you're not, you know, shuffling guys in there that have barely played for your team all season long. I mean, that's certainly not ideal in the postseason, but we'll look forward to seeing uh, uh, kind of where that goes um, from here. Um, you know, I know Bertuzzo did skate today. Nick Letty was out on the ice for a little bit. Um, I guess we'll see. We'll find out more tomorrow, but um, it's one of those deals where it's even if a guy plays at this stage, is he healthy? How long is it going to be? A hundred, you know, if he's out there, is he going to be able to play his normal amount of minutes? I mean, still question marks, um, but hopefully, again, any help will be welcome. And you get a win tomorrow. I think we all feel pretty good. I know I I would feel pretty good about advancing if you get the win tomorrow. I still think they're going to, but it's. I thought it was going to go easier in the series, but I also didn't think it was going to be as bad as it's been. So we'll see tomorrow night with game five between the Blues and the Wild. 8.30, they drop the puck again. I know everybody's really excited about that. All right, coming up next, we'll get back to the Cardinals. Uh, John Mosellock joined Tom Ackerman as he does every single Sunday morning on Sports on a Sunday morning. And I picked out a little bit of stuff, a couple of things I wanted to, to you to hear from him on. There's a section where he talks about some prospects, about the shortstop position at the major league level, um, and about Juan Yepes and and uh, also an update on Jack Flaherty. So kind of picked out those spots, some of the key things, and we'll hear that next up on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. All right, no Cardinals baseball tonight, but we will have the Cardinals and the Orioles tomorrow night, 645 first pitch. We do not yet know who will be pitching for the Cardinals. Uh, Adam Wainwright had not, as of now, has not cleared COVID protocols. Um, I, I, I don't know that we know exactly where he stands on that, but the team will obviously have to make a decision tomorrow. Um, if he's ready, that'll be great. If he's not, I wonder if they move Miles Michaelis up a day and then hope that Wayno could go on Wednesday. Uh, and it would be normal rest if Michaelis started tomorrow. So it wouldn't be any, it wouldn't be on short rest or anything like that. They could also go. Uh, with a bullpen game, and they've got multiple guys in the bullpen that can go multiple innings. So they have a number of ways that they could play this. Uh, but either way, we don't know yet who's going to be pitching for the Cardinals tomorrow night. Now let's get uh, some John Mozalak in here. Mo speaks to Tom Ackerman every Sunday morning on sports on a Sunday morning, and they go over a number of things. And obviously a lot of what they talked about yesterday was about the Sunday game against the Giants and the line of things like that. But they hit on a few other things that I thought were really interesting. Um, first of all, there's an update on Jack Flaherty in here uh, as of yesterday morning, of course. Um, there's a little bit on uh, Juan Yepes and his first run in the big leagues, a little bit on the shortstop position and Paul DeYoung's performance here lately and where the team is going to be. Uh, I know there's a part in there where Mo talks about whether or not Edmundo Sosa would be getting a little bit more run if he were not on the COVID list himself. So that's all part of this, but it starts with an observation after Tom's question about some of the Cardinals minor leaguers that are having breakthrough years. It's kind of a, it's been a trend for the Cardinals this year. They've got a bunch of guys that have been breakthrough players. We stated this a lot last year when we were talking about our minor leagues, that we were playing a lot of players above where they, they, they likely should have been. And so we knew last year was going to be a sort of a grind for us at the minor league level. But now I think you're seeing those players really benefit from what they experienced last year. But you know, I think some of the names that you're really referring to is somebody like a Mason Wynn. And here's someone who has emerged and, you know, over the last five weeks has had a lot of success at Peoria, 
which is now a high A league. And, and to see him doing that is, is super exciting because a year ago we were debating, ah, oh, should we put him on the mound? Is he going to hit enough? And right now from an offensive standpoint, he's gotten off to a really great start. So we're really excited about that. And probably a name that obviously no one was talking about last year because he wasn't in our, in our system was um, Moises Gomez. And, um, you know, when you think about what he's doing offensively at Springfield is really just incredible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that when you look at, at, at why he was let go, he had a super high strikeout rate, but this year he's, he's toning it down, but his contact rate and, and, and really his hard contact rate is, is something that's just exceptional. So, you know, very fortunate to see that happening. And then of course, what you're seeing at triple I don't think it's really a surprise to anybody, but when you're seeing like Gorman and Baker have the offensive production that, that they're doing is, is sort of what we expected. Needless to say, Yepes just recently came up and he was having an outstanding offensive year as well. So some of these things are not overly like uh, um, news to us, but I think the most important part is it's, it's happening, and, and that's just really encouraging for our system. It's very impressive. Gomez is definitely the name that pops out to me, but Mason Wynn, we knew about him. I remember you describing him. I think I think this was the, the first I heard was from you on this, kind of like a quick twitch sort of athlete. Like he has this, this ability to do things a little quicker than everybody else, and I, I'm surprised by the the – raw power that he has too you know yeah we, we he's speedy and he's athletic but man especially that gap power from what i'm seeing on video he is some player yeah and when i refer to someone like as fast twitch it's, it's really just a, a a compliment to their athleticism and you know there's a lot of baseball players that don't necessarily have that skill but you see it amongst all like great athletes throughout sport not just baseball and for him he's just someone that you know, arguably is not of of great size, but his strength and his athleticism, I think is going to be what carries him. And to do what he's able to do, even on the mound, which I know we don't have him pitching right now, it's just rarefied air to have someone that can get up on the bump and, you know, upper 90s. But now he's playing short. He's coming out, you know, offensively. And it's just, it's really exciting to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to what he can do this summer. Me too. Uh, Luke and Baker, big boy, uh, 6'4", I think he's like 275, 280 pounds, big fella, uh, hitting down in, in Memphis. And, of course, Nolan Gorman. I mean, who isn't buzzing about Nolan Gorman? He, he's he been the talk for a while, especially now this year with his power. I uh, saw he went opposite field yesterday with a home run. Uh, how is his strikeout rate? I know that was something you and I discussed not too long ago, and um, is that – getting better to the point where he would be a little more comfortable if he does get a call up. Cause as you've mentioned before, if he's going to strike out down there, he's going to strike out here. You know, I think, look, he's having an outstanding season. Like we were talking about the other night as we we're sitting after the game, but you know, you're, you're putting up a, over a thousand OPS, you know, you're, you're doing something right. And so he is, and you know, right now I, I think the biggest issue before he comes up is like, you know, we got to figure out what we're going to do at shortstop at the big league level. And, you know, ultimately uh, we've got to sort through that, you know, Paulie, you know, saw a glimmer of, of, of something positive yesterday with a couple hits, you know, he's going to have to just continue to, to work on what he needs to do. I think it's sort of, you know, it's certainly unfortunate that we lost Sosa this week because, you know, it would have been able to at least give him some opportunities as well. So, 
you know, the timing for, for some of this has not been ideal. And, you know, we're just going to have to keep trying to figure out how we want this puzzle to look. But the good news is we have some options. And so, you know, at least we can have that going for us as we, as we try to like press forward and think through this. And then you're absolutely right about Sosa. That's a really good point. He could have gotten a lot of, of time and, and at least shown you what he can do. That said, you know, it did create an opening for Juan Yepes to come in, and he just looks big league, doesn't he? And he has just those great ability to spray the ball around the outfield and just take good at-bats, let alone get the hit. But I, just the at-bats look like a big leaguer to me. Look, uh, you know, I think going into camp, um, talking about what we thought of him offensively, you know, we were pretty bullish on him. We, we thought a lot of him. I think he came into the camp, put a lot of pressure on himself, wanted to break with the club, uh, you know, unfortunately didn't. But, you know, went down to Memphis and got off to a slow start, but then got hot. And, you know, I think you or, you know, our fans are seeing what we like about him. And he gives you a, a professional at bat. And I think he's one of those guys that's just going to hit and hit for a long time. And, you know, so that's, that's exciting. And, you know, right now he's given us some flexibility where we're going to play him in, in different positions. But, you know, the thing we're most excited about is his offensive capability. And uh, he got off to a great start in his big league career. It is a long season for sure. And that probably is good news if your name is Jack Flaherty, because now you have some time to get yourself back to where you need to be. Just what are you hearing so far after this first bullpen session? And without putting a timetable on it necessarily, I know that's hard to do. It is early, isn't it? I mean, let's not get too carried away, but that's that was a pretty good day, I think. No, it's encouraging. I think uh, I'm, I'm more interested to see how he feels today. So when I get that report, I think that'll be a, a, a something that'll be easier for me to react to in terms of timing and, and time frame, I think it's just premature. And as you know, I never like to get out in front of myself on those things. So I think the most important thing is to see how he feels today. And, and then, uh, you know, then we'll go to tomorrow. So, you know, fingers crossed, he feels good. There you go. That's uh, John Mosellock. The end there talking about Jack Flaherty and boy, you, you're, if, if you're able to get him back at some point and get innings out of him, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the rotation has been at times not great. Like Dakota Hudson was shaky yesterday. Steven Matz, as I mentioned earlier in the show, has been either good or terrible. Like there's been no in between. He's either been really fantastic or just bleh. And, but, but, but you know, Wayno, Wayno actually has had a little bit of that back and forth too. But Miles Michaelis has been super good. Um, Hicks has been all right. He had the one bad one, but he's been all right when he's been able to take, when he's been able to make his starts. I think that you're, you know, you've been pretty good in the rotation so far, but it's going to be interesting to me to see what it looks like if you can get Jack Flaherty back in the mix, and if he's, I don't, I mean, I don't know what what percentage of his old self he's going to be. Uh, we, you know, hopefully you don't have any setbacks coming out of out of any of all this either. But getting him back would be would be massive. I mean, just be a, a huge huge piece for the team. Um, and because the one thing that, that last year was a problem was obviously innings coverage and then just kind of games getting out of hand early with all those guys. Well, that's not happening as much. Cause even though, like, even though Hudson struggled a lot last night or not last night, but yesterday afternoon, the game never got away. 
You know, he was even though he walked a bunch of guys and it wasn't really what you would picture as being a, a classic outing, it was not. It was it was a rough outing. But even in a rough outing, you you were kept in the game. You know, I believe it was three to two when he left the game. So it's not like he left the team on the hook with a real in a really terrible spot. Yeah, it was three to two when he left the game. So, you know, that's like that if that's the bad result, okay, that's you can live with that. But you're going to need some more of the excellent here in the not-too-distant future and a little bit more consistency with that. Um, I want to follow up, and we'll close the show on this. I want to follow up on on some of the young guys that John Moselock hit on there. But in particular, uh, Nolan Gorman, who he talked about, um, Mason Wynn. Maybe you guys, maybe they have their long-term shortstop. I mean, you know, they took him because they liked him, and he was a two-way player coming out of high school. In 2019, as a high school player, he threw 98 on the mound. So you're talking about one of the best arms of any position player in the entire sport at any level, including the major league level. But he's starting to hit and put up big numbers. But you've got a breakout year from Mason Wynn, Moises Gomez, who they talked about. And there are more guys that are having breakout years. I'm going to tell you kind of how that's going next up here on KMOX. All right, wrapping it up. Just got a few minutes left, so I thought I'd finish up a couple of the top, or finish up the topic on the young guys and the breakout players, because you just heard John Moselock talk about some of the breakout players with Tom Ackerman, so I'm not going to repeat what he said about those guys. So he talked about Moises Gomez, um, uh, who only has 14 home runs (laughs) at double-A to start the year. 14 home runs in 24 games, 30 runs batted in, batting 374. Oh, he's coming down. He was over 400 as of the end of last week. Uh, but yeah, seven doubles and 14 home runs in 24 games at double a Springfield. And he was a minor league free agent uh, out of the Tampa Bay Rays system. So interesting there. You heard him talk about Mason Wynn, who might be your long-term shortstop. That's an interesting dude. I mean, when you think about what Mo was, was discussing there with Mason Wynn, super, super athletic, uh, when, you know, people always like to say twitchy or, um, explosive. That's what he is. I mean, he's a guy that on the mound throws 98 miles an hour. So you're talking about somebody that as a shortstop would certainly have the best shortstop arm probably in all of professional. Let's be honest, probably the best shortstop arm in the world. And I'm not even being a smart ass. Like he, that's, you're not going to take another shortstop and put him on the mound and watch him throw 98. So you've got an electric player who's got tremendous speed, has some power, not, not really truly home run power just yet, but it's coming along and he's only 20 years old, and he just turned 20 at the end of March, I believe it was. End of March, or it was April. So he's barely 20 years old, and he's putting up big offensive numbers now. It's a nice breakout. We'll see where he goes with it, but I would imagine you'll see Mason win at A, and maybe that's your long-term shortstop. I mean, it, you know, obviously, the way Paul DeYoung's playing, it's not he's not looking like that guy. Edmundo Sosa's not really that profile. Devin Perez still hasn't hit, but Mason Wynn's got speed. He's got range, he's got a cannon for an arm, and he's developing as a hitter. Could be fun. But other guys are having breakout years too, guys that were not mentioned in that conversation between uh, Mo and and Tom Ackerman. I mean, again, everybody talks about Nolan Gorman. We've all talked about Jordan Walker, who, by the way, is having a ridiculous year at AA Springfield, even though he's the only teenager in the league. He's still 19, and he's at AA. He's the only teenager 
in the league, and he's having a phenomenal year. So I don't know that I would call it a breakout. His breakout was last year. But other guys that are kind of breaking out this year, uh, Michael McGreevy, he was the Cardinals' first-round draft pick last year. Uh, he's pitched now six games to a 210 ERA, 28 strikeouts and two walks in 34 and a third. Is that good? 14 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio seems pretty good to me. Well, he was good? drafted. Yeah, that's pretty good. He was drafted last year out of UC Santa Barbara as a guy known for being a strike thrower. So uh, obviously he's living up to that billing. I'll tell you who else has been really good this year in that regard is Zach Thompson. Zach Thompson walked 57 batters in 93 innings last year, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's terrible. He's only walked six batters this year with 34 strikeouts in 27 and two-thirds. And Zach Thompson has always had stuff. I mean, he was a first-round pick by the Cardinals in 2019 for a reason because he's got a good fastball. He's got a slider and a curveball. The curveball, the better of the two, according to scouting reports. He's got to change up like four above-average major league pitches. He always got strikeouts in college, and he always got strikeouts in the minor leagues. And this year, he's finally cut back on the walks at AAA Memphis. So a big step for him. I don't know that there's been a player in the system, though, that's taken a bigger step uh, or made a bigger made a bigger impression, I guess is the right way, because I don't know if you can count it as a step forward when, when Gordon Graceffo was drafted last June in the fifth round, by the way, last July, sorry, in the fifth round out of Villanova. Last year, he only pitched 26 innings in professional baseball, had a 173 ERA, though, struck out 37 guys. He came back this spring, you know, where in college, this is what's interesting about this about a guy like Gordon Graceffo, right? He's 6'4", 210, big dude, always had a power arm at Villanova. Um, finally was getting the fastball up into the mid-90s on a regular basis. Got out to, I think he topped out, Last year or in college, he topped out at 97. Well, he showed up in spring training this year throwing 100. And his fastball is mid to upper 90s, touching 100. And he throws strikes. 33 and two-thirds innings this year, two walks. With 46 strikeouts. And a 107 ERA. This is his first professional season. He's at high A. He will not be there very long. In fact, McGreevy's at high A as well. They're both at Peoria. Can't imagine they're going to be there very much longer. I would imagine those guys are going to be headed to Springfield soon. Those are college-age pitchers. So we're talking about guys. Uh, in Graceffo's case, he's 22. Um, McGreevy is, I think he's the same age. McGreevy's 21, so he's a little bit younger. But there, there's your guy. If you're looking for a breakout dude to keep an eye on, it's Gordon Graceffo. I mean, guy that throws 100 and throws strikes is a pretty interesting combination for a pitching prospect. And he's got the body to make it work, right? Again, he's a big guy. He added a bunch of velocity this offseason, made a big impression in the spring. Derek Gould wrote about him uh, in spring training about how in minor league camp, uh, before the lockout ended, you know, when it was just minor leaguers, there he had gotten some attention from important Cardinals people. And now you can see why. Six starts at high A Peoria, 107 ERA, 46 strikeouts to two walks in 33 and two-thirds. Opponents are batting a buck 48 against him. It's pretty awesome. So not only do you have Matthew Libertor as one of the best pitching prospects in baseball, already at AAA, already having a solid year, and then you've got Zach Thompson starting to figure it out and throw more strikes at AAA. Now you got these two guys coming along. Your first-round pick last year is pitching like a first-round pick in McGreevy, and then your fifth-round pick from last year is pitching like a first-round pick 
and he's throwing 100. That's good. You know, coming into this year, the pitching side was a little thin for the Cardinals. That's starting to thicken up a little bit as we go. That's going to do it for me on a Monday night. Hey, we got the Cardinals and the Orioles tomorrow night. 5.50 for the pregame show. 6.45 for the first pitch. So we get to that tomorrow night right here on your home for the Cardinals, KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.